Ladies and gentlemen, or people, this is Book Music. I am Tosh. And I'm Kim Lee. And we are here to discuss, well, first of all, Book Music is a podcast devoted to books about music, either musicians' memoirs, music history, or even a fictional character who's a musician. We just do music books and nothing else. <laughs> I'm, sorry, I'm, trying to, I'm trying to sound like Walter Winchell or something like that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but to, on today's episode, we're doing one of our favorite stars. I think it's, it's one of Kimley's favorites as well as, as, well as mine. Yeah. And we're doing a book, another one published by 33 and a Third Series. And it is Diamond Dogs by Glenn Hendler. Diamond Dogs is a David Bowie album. But I think our listeners probably know that. I, I would presume so. I would hope so. I would hope so. So there's a whole <laughs> book devoted to nothing else but Diamond Dogs. Um, Kimla, do you like the Diamond Dogs album? I do. It's definitely one of my favorites. I don't, I don't think I would say it was my absolute favorite, but it's mm-hmm. definitely, definitely in the top five. I think, okay, it's my... Favorite side one of a Bowie record is Diamond Dogs. Ah, interesting. Okay. I think it just flows so nicely from from uh, the little introduction to Diamond Dogs itself, the song, and then into that sort of melody. That's, yeah. The candidate and um, uh, sweet, sweet, sweet things, the sweet things, sweet. Sweet. <laughs> and then of course Rebel Rebel. Just like yes. it's like a perfect like suite of songs. Ah, okay. It's like a Broadway show. In fact. A little background, Diamond Dogs was written to be a theatrical show or Broadway show. Mm-hmm. And it well, was parts of it were parts, of, yes. But it, yeah. originally, it, it, he was going to do um, a music stage version of uh, George Orwell's 1984. Right. But uh, George Orwell's widow said no. Yes. So, therefore, we have Diamond Dogs, which and is I sort think of a, the better for it. You think so? <laughs> I do. I do. <laughs> sometimes, sometimes these things work out the best. You're correct. Yes, I think the so, universe uh, so, <laughs> took care of that. So, Diamond Dogs is sort of, um, in theme wise, it's somewhere between like George Orwell and William Burroughs, The Wild Boys, a novel that Burroughs right. wrote in the, <clears throat> in the very early 70s or the late 60s. Uh, and one of his cut up novels, which means it's. Um, You'll take a sentence and take a scissors and cut up the words and then rearrange it. And this supposedly was a, was a major influence on Bowie's uh, lyric writing. And yeah. I think this album does have that. Probably oh, definitely. Probably, I think he probably, gets into that a lot in this book. He really sort yeah. of examines that part of it. So Glenn Handler, um, who obviously is a, a Diamond Dogs obsessive, uh, is a professor of English and American studies at uh, Fordham University in the United States. Mm-hmm. And usually it's interesting, a lot of the writers from 33 and the Third are academic writers or teachers. Yeah, I know, it is interesting. <laughs> and they don't normally write books about music, a lot of these writers. I mean, there, there are some writers who are in the series who do write about music or, or even musicians themselves. But, um, but uh, Mr. Handler seems to be focused just only on the Bowie's um, Diamond Dogs, which he feels well, it must be his favorite album, I presume. Um, yeah, he's clearly a huge Bowie fan because he talks about, you know, seeing him on the Midnight Special when he was like 10 or something, you know. And so uh, 
Mm-hmm. He's been a Bowie fan since he was a kid. So he's hardcore. I think it's it, like you're saying about the academics getting into these books. I think it's it's their chance to kind of uh, do something a little bit less serious, but uh, given even the serious lo- spin that they're used to do, doing, but you know, it's on a pop culture level. Maybe even a little bit crazy. Yes, <laughs> obsessive. <laughs> After taking their ties off and they're writing this work. <laughs> I know. I think he said he took a couple of years to write this book, which is so funny. <laughs> yes, a couple of years. I mean, you know, it's like how long is the book? It's like 145 pages, and yeah. they're small. Um, you know, I mean, obviously, it's you know, it's a side project. I'm sure it took that long because he was had a he has a full time job and he. Okay has to write other things but okay i'm going to point out a mistake in the book oh okay what's that unless you can maybe i'm wrong and i and i'm not putting him down because i have made many mistakes on the printed page and i'm therefore not i'm definitely as guilty as any other person yes but he goes on a bit about um where he quotes about diamond dogs he talks about um he talks a line in Diamond Dogs where he's, he found the word stabilized, like sta- stable, no, stabilized. Uh-huh. Do you remember this part of the book? No, I don't. Yeah, he talks about stabilized. He says that there's a part where, where the Diamond Dogs in the title track, he calls them stabilized. And for about a paragraph, he tries to figure the history of the word stable. Oh, okay. I'm vaguely remembering this. Yeah, yeah. It's a very little thing. Uh-huh. And but and it's funny when he mentioned that when I was reading the book I'm thinking oh Sable, you know there's there's a famous uh, groupie in Los Angeles and New York her name was Sable Sable Star. Oh. Who ended up? Who ended up? I think she actually married Johnny Thunders uh, or was Johnny Thunders' first wife. She was a teenager, oh. when she was like probably seventeen or eighteen. Right, right. I would say seventeen when she hooked up with Johnny Thunders, and she it was a groupie to all. Every, right, she was kind everyone. of one of the role models for that movie, Almost Famous, right? She is a she is born yeah. a role model. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, and she's somebody who I never met, but all my friends knew her. Okay. Uh, and my high school friends. So this, you know, I, I so, so that's I what the stabilizer because he goes on about how it's about like the fur, you know, the animal. Fur, yeah, he gives right? a whole like literary thing. Yeah, he says yeah, that when, yeah. He mentions this poet, Robin Coast Lewis, who wrote a powerful poem that describes the well maybe he didn't so you have personal knowledge of uh this ruby and i guess he didn't but so i thought okay i think he's mistaken it's probably i mentioned like maybe it's a little tribute or just a little side dish to mention sable's Uh name which Uh i think Wooly would do right yeah 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 so i i I re-looked i I read the lyrics online i looked i read Uh two different versions basically Uh the same and what they quoted in the lyrics is not stabilized. Stabilized. Really? Yes, stabilized. Are you sure that there isn't a mistake in the online lyrics? Because sometimes there are. They, that's very popular. Ta- can you hear well when he's singing it? Because I don't recall. Well, that's see, another thing. Because the vocals of that song are totally yeah, like the chronic. Yeah, they're too muddy. Yeah. They're very muddy. Huh. And so it's, he goes on. I mean, unless I'm, I missed something about it here. But he goes, he, he, let me see, I think this chapter, no, he doesn't. Right, really well, I think it. we need to put this out to our audience and see what, let's take a poll. We'll have to put a question about yeah. this on Facebook and see what people think. So uh, in other words, I told you this whole story about Sable Star and there was yeah. no point in it. <laughs> 
Oh, but it was such a good story. I know, that, but now... That's the handler story in the book, so, you know. <laughs> but, Kimberly, now you have to put Sable Star in the... <laughs> yes, in the tags. <laughs> <laughs> So but see, this is what's so wonderful about Bowie is we can just sit here and talk for 10 minutes about something that's completely not even in context. Yes. But he sent us off on a little journey that was a delight. Yes, it was. <laughs> I, was thinking about, I was thinking about Sable Star, and I, I like to think about Sable Star. I mean, well, there you go. <laughs> so, so even my pronunciation, because I, I have a slight pe- a speech impediment. And then so, like, so it's. You know, sable eyes. That's what he read it as. Sable uh-huh. eyes. It's, Sableized. It's, uh-huh. it's it's stabilized. Stabilized. I like. I I actually like your original, stabilized. You know, meaning the groupie had something. In you it. like that better, right? I do. I do. I like that. <laughs> yeah, you have three choices. Because it's sort of an in joke, you know. <laughs> you have three choices: stabilize, stabilize, and he has like a literary, you know, right. back, you know, bat. Are my, so if it's actually stabilized, part. that's my least favorite. That one's not very. There's no romance to that at all. <laughs> yeah, and, and I think according to that's my, what it really is. <laughs> according to the lyrics I read online, you know, we know mm-hmm. about online stuff. Yeah, you know, um, it's stabilized. Huh. Okay. That you know, which makes sense in in a grammar sense, you know, and um, and speaking of grammar, the writer, uh, I mean, um, Mr. Hendler. Um, is really focused on a lot of that, like like Bowie's lyrics. It goes like you, me. He's really into yeah, the whole you, me. Yeah, thing. yeah. Well, isn't he an English professor? Isn't yeah. he a literature <laughs> professor, right? <laughs> yeah. But that makes sense. I mean, his point, you know, he does talk a lot about that. Is and you know, he he gets into how Bowie is manipulating his audience and very aware of his audience. And so yeah. I think that was his point: is that you know he's very strongly dealing with that I and you and trying to connect directly with the listener on a one-to-one basis. Yeah, I mean, he's very, Bowie's actually a very strong, especially in the early, uh, especially in Ziggy Stardust, Hungry Dory, up to like Diamond Dogs. Uh-huh. He was very strong with me and you, where he's trying to connect to an audience. Yeah. yeah. And there, after Low, he became more sort of uh, interior, not as not expressing outward, I feel. Right. Right. You know, like Station to Station, it's not a song about, you know, it's not like everybody, Station to Station. Right, right. Yeah, I hadn't <laughs> thought about that, but I think you're right. Yeah. So, so the boy is definitely changed into sort of my interior, instead of like being an exterior type of performer. Yeah, that's an interesting observation. Yeah, yeah, I like that. But um, I love the chapter um, about um, everybody wants to be a fascist. Yeah, <laughs> I thought that was the most interesting chapter. It really sort of got into, um, you know, how Bowie, he, he said how Bowie used rock and roll and how Bowie was so conscientious yes. of being a manipulator and, and how the, you know, the idea of being a rock star was so akin to, you know, an authoritarian leader and yeah. how aware of that he was. Yeah, um, there's, there's, there's sort of a history of that, you know, of... Um... Like the Ziggy Stardust, it definitely has has that sort of um, rock star alien as a fascist figure or something you look up to. Right, right. And Bowie definitely is fascinated with that aspect. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, there's also been, you know, but generally, especially in the 60s, I think a lot of rock stars were looked as sort of a, a fascistic quality. 
Um, well, I think a lot of them were aware of it because I definitely immediately thought, you know, Hendler says that, you know, Bowie was one of the first to really be aware of this. But I thought, well, I don't know. When John Lennon made that comment about the Beatles being more popular than Jesus, I think they were pretty self-conscious of their power as well. And yeah. I don't think they necessarily kind of thought to themselves, well, we can use this for evil. Um, I think Bowie might have jumped a little further into thinking about the dark side of it. But I think they were certainly aware of the power they had over the, people. There was, there was a movie made, an English movie made in 1967 called Privilege. Uh -huh. Have you seen it or heard of it? No, no, I don't know about and that. It, it starred uh, Paul Jones, who was the lead singer of Man for Man, and uh -huh. an excellent singer, by the way. But anyway, he, he plays a rock star who's sort of controlled by the state and the church of England. Hmm. And, you know, it, and he does this whole, like, almost sort of, um, uh, his performance is, a, is very ritualistic and very, you know, right. it's very fascistic. Yeah. And he actually wears like a fascist uniform on stage, his whole band. Huh. Almost like, so like, not, not like Nazis more, but like almost like a futurist SS outfits in a way. Right. And his name is Stephen Shorter, uh, the character. And so uh -huh. they all have like SS um, initials on the on the on the outfits oh oh ss okay <laughs> yeah the character's name is stephen shorter but obviously it plays uh, on the whole uh SS, yeah 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 of course yes. so i'm sure bowie saw that you know as well as um and, th and stuff like clockwork orange definitely has um uh fascistic themes not saying sure. they're it's for fascism or against fascism but it, but um you know it's i think I think we have to be uh, aware of it. Yeah, I, I think Hendler was commenting on, though I don't feel he did it deeply that much, but I think, you know, basically the whole showbiz thing, when you're looking up at the stage or looking up at a performer, there mm -hmm. is a strong, you know, leader or fascist aspect to it. Oh, I think it's incredible. I mean, I first, I personally get a bit freaked out when I go to like a big stadium show, mm -hmm. and I and I really grasp the power that the performer has. Yeah, um, you know, like if somebody if they can get like the audience to start doing the wave, that completely freaks me out. It's just like that sort of that group control of such a large number of people is just it's it's rather disturbing, and I'm I'm always so grateful that you know at least nobody. And then none of these rock stars have used it for evil yet, but they certainly have the power too if they wanted to. Yeah, and to this day, there's certain performers who have that sort of power. I think I'm saying yeah. uh, Morrissey yeah. is one that comes to mind. Yeah, yeah. But and, almost uh, any place that's going to be like a stadium show for sure. Is, yeah, you know, anybody that has that kind of a crowd. Uh, yes. It's yeah. It's it's kind of there's a definite creepy side to it for sure. So the Bowie's technique of using you, me, I, it, it definitely is is an intimacy. It's intimacy, but it's like a fake intimacy. It's not a real intimacy. Right, but it's a way of getting control and power. And uh, yeah. And I thought, you know, as I was reading this book, I was like, God, this is such a perfect time to be reading this, you know, and, and given our current uh, situation of our plague-ridden era, and then you know, the growth of authoritarianism and, you know, we should remind the, we should remind the, our audience that we're right in the middle of the, uh, the virus. Yes. Like yes. Thing. yes. In yeah. case they hear it in 50 yeah. years from now, they want to know what it was like. <laughs> and Kimley and Tosh read Diamond Dogs. By yes. <laughs> yes. And it was extremely appropriately timed, I think. <laughs> 
But now, where do you what? No, go ahead. I was gonna say, what do you think about the cover of Diamond Dogs? Because he did talk about the cover, and I was really surprised to learn that it was inspired by Josephine Baker. A photo of Josephine Baker. Yeah, I didn't know. I didn't know that. I didn't yeah, know that. I didn't either. Because I have to right. confess, I have always hated this cover. It's... <laughs> I really love it. Do you? Oh, I just think it's so overwrought. I don't know. It's, it's oh, maybe that's why I like favorite. it. I like uh, it. I like it because of the um, the sideshow, the freakish, the freak, yeah. not freakish, freak sideshow. Right. I pick up on that right away, and um, yeah, so I'm a huge fan of um, Todd Browning's The Freaks. Yeah, no, the movie is great. Yeah, and and, and, to... and for the listeners who don't know, Freaks is a film made by Todd Browning, who also directed the Bela Lugosi Dracula, mm-hmm. uh, and Freaks is really a unique. Um, disturbing film. Um, was Very really, disturbing. It's a yeah. sound, an early sound picture, like 1930 or 31. And, um, you know, it's very interesting. My parents will allow me to see any movie I want to see. Anything. As a child, you're talking about? Yes. Like real child. young? Yes. Uh-huh. Except for one movie was forbidden. <laughs> Freaks was forbidden. Really? That's yeah. interesting. This was the movie, Freaks was the movie they forbid you to see because yeah, they thought it would be too disturbing for you? I think so. And uh, yeah. and interesting enough, you know, there used to be these um, monster magazines uh, as a child that was this focus on, 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 on monster movie monsters. Uh-huh. And Todd Browning's Freaks was always like a featured article in, in these magazines. Uh-huh. Uh, and the key thing was uh, Browning used real sideshow "Quote unquote freaks." Yeah, they're yeah. not actors with makeup or anything. They're just like real, real freaks. Yeah, yeah. And um, and um, so that movie always made a huge impression, even though I didn't see it. I could almost imagine in my head. Right. Well, I would imagine you couldn't wait to see it since I, it was the one and only film that was forbidden to you. And then, now, how old were you when you finally saw it? Oh, six. <laughs> no. <Yeah>, no. <laughs> no. I think, I think when I was a teenager, I think they reissued it or like would start playing in revival theaters. I didn't see it. In, I never saw it on TV, for instance. I, I, I right. definitely saw it in a movie theater. Yeah, I saw it in a movie theater too. I don't. And it was it was incredibly impressive, you know. And um, oh yeah, it's yeah. an amazing movie, but it is very disturbing. I mean, actually, yeah. I think your your family was probably wise. Uh, I would think it would give nightmares to a young child. Well, the, the, the Tashi no You're now. one of us. You're yes, one of it, us. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so the, we're talking about this movie so much because it does get mentioned in the book and, and Bowie references mm-hmm. it in uh, the lyrics on Diamond Dogs. Yeah, and, he, and he actually, I didn't know that he actually mentions Todd Browning's names in the lyrics. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, <clears> he makes a direct reference. Yeah, direct reference. So that cover is a direct reference uh, to the, um, um, to the, you know, to, Dodd, the, to the Todd Browning image of Freaks. You know? Uh-huh. And that yeah. is why I like it. I also like that art, this artist. His name is Guy or Guy. Um, Peeler. Oh, yeah. I don't know how to pronounce his last name. He's Dutch, I think. Yeah. And he yeah, did he, uh, the Rolling Stones. It's only rock and roll. It's just another cover I don't like. <laughs> well, the funny thing is the Stones did it first, but Bowie got his out. I know. <laughs> I know. He talks about that in the book. That was so funny. I love that little sort of uh, catty competitiveness that they've always had. <laughs> and, and, and to be honest and truthful, even when I listen to this record, Diamond Dogs, and some really Bowie, Bowie definitely um, lifted 
the sound of the Rolling Stones. Oh, for sure. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. Like, like Brown, Rebel, Rebel is definitely yeah. Yeah. like the like the Brown, like the um, like the early seventies Rolling Stones. You know, like we're mm-hmm. talking about like Brown Sugar. You know, right, right. Uh, and Bowie uh, imitated the production mm-hmm. and uh, sort of the vocal style, but basically really like the guitar sound and the, and the production and. And it just had that Stones crunch, you know. Yeah. It sounds like a Stones song, which yeah. he did on purpose. Of course. And I was reading uh, I was reading the bit in the Chris O'Leary books, you know, mm-hmm. where he discusses in detail the lyrics of every single yeah. Bowie song. So I read, the, I read the Diamond Dogs section of the book, and uh, he talks about how at live shows Bowie would uh, do like a medley of uh, songs from it. And then he'd follow it up with it's only rock and roll, you know, just to kind of rub a little salt in the wound. And legend has it that he, he helped write it's only rock and roll, but didn't get credit for it. Oh, that's interesting. I've but, never heard that. So this, so Diamond Dogs is probably just one revenge against the Rolling Stones. Right, right. They were just going <laughs> back and forth, back and forth with their... <laughs> Uh, these rock yeah. stars, I tell you, they don't I have know. anything better to do. Not at all. <laughs> <laughs> Not at all. But um, but I just reread the uh, Chris O'Leary's. You know, we have to explain. Chris O'Leary wrote this two-volume dictionary encyclopedia. Talk about OCD. Yeah, <laughs> he writes. Fantastic. Uh, he writes about every David Bowie song bootleg recorded by others and of course the actual albums b-sides demos yeah everything. it's amazing if you read them together it's probably over a thousand pages right yeah, yeah. and yeah, oh, definitely. and it's but he's critical you know he, he uh it seems like chris o'leary is not that crazy about the song diamond dog so he feels like it goes to yeah. yeah 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 and he's actually kind of right and it does go like i think they could cut it you know Hmm. He, he could cut at least a minute or two. Yeah, I mean, I what, I, how do you feel about okay. the song? I like it. I like, like it. it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like the whole album. I like the B side too. You but like yeah, the B-side. I think you're. I think the. I think the A side's better, definitely. But I like the B side as well. These, well, there's no okay. There's no bad boy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, that's a, that's a silly talk. <laughs> that's a given, right? <laughs> Anybody listening to our podcast should know we love David Bowie, just in case they weren't trying. Like, how many David Bowie things have we already discussed on this podcast? <laughs> yeah. I mean, uh, I mean, the late, the, the uh, you know, the 90s David Bowie, the late 90s David Bowie is interesting. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, you get my drift. It's interesting. Yes, I do get your drift. Okay. But Diamond <laughs> Dogs is definitely the era of his masterpieces. You know, like Ziggy Star. Yeah, yeah. Three, Diamond you know. Dogs is definitely in my top five. In top five, yeah. And it's yeah. quite, yeah, it's just an amazing album. And um, what else? There's something else I was going to bring up. I, I make, you know, I, I didn't make notes, but I bend my pages of the book. Ah, okay. Well, I know something else that I thought was really interesting was he, uh, mm-hmm. Hendler pointed out how um, Bowie, uh, when they ha- when he had that interview with William Burroughs, and, mm-hmm. um, and Burroughs had pointed out to David Bowie about the Bowie knife that it cuts both ways. Yeah. So Bowie really liked that. 
And so then from then on, he told people that his name, he named himself Bowie. Everybody knows he named himself Bowie after the Bowie knife, but he never had specified before then because he liked the idea that it cut both ways. Yes. And so then after he got that from Burroughs, which he said he learned from Burroughs, but he claimed yeah. later on that he, that that was why he named himself Bowie. And I kind of, I, I love how Bowie was just kind of constantly rewriting his own self mythology, mythology, <laughs> you know, it's like, <laughs> I mean, he was just such a master manipulator, you know, it was so great. <laughs> and, he, and, he does, and he does it with a smile and with a certain amount of charm. Well, not, oh, not just charm. a certain amount, it's, it's a huge amount of charm, yeah, yes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah no, he's got that uh, devilish grin and, you know, <laughs> that lovely British accent and you're yeah. smitten. You'll believe anything he says. <laughs> did, you, did you know that I actually, I actually saw the Diamond Dogs show? Oh, I'm sure. I've, yeah, I meant to ask you. I, I'm not surprised because you saw Ziggy show too right? I, I, saw, I saw ziggy you saw him pretty early on yeah i saw ziggy aladdin sane and i saw the diamond dogs wow wow and yeah. and uh, i think i was gonna bring up uh, glenn handler mentions the live show you know you mentioned uh -huh. in the beginning he just mentioned they they have like animal noise or like urban i mean the whole diamond dogs um landscape is like a decaying urban city of some sort yeah yeah and that's and it's like a William Burroughs type of thing. But to me, it's more like a J.G. Boward type of landscape. Right, right. Like high rise or something. High rise. Yeah, I think to me, it's more high rise than, than even Burroughs, tell you the truth. Mm -hmm. The Burroughs part is the diamond dogs, like a gang of boys and the sort of right. homoerotic. Roughs, yeah. Gang world of that boys. Be, yeah. yeah. But, but the landscape itself is very J.G. Boward to me. Right. And, yeah. um, and, um, Handler mentions like when Bowie did the show, he would um, start off with like like a couple of minutes of um, of like urban noise, like you hear like 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 dogs barking, cats, yeah, and, you know, and, yeah, and sounds yeah. of cars and machinery. But actually, yeah. um, this is state of my mind. Actually, it's not a few minutes. It's actually as soon as you walk into the theater, um, that's that the that that soundtrack was on it was and you know, if you're there an oh, hour, so it was going on for quite a while for an hour I mean, oh, wow. through, so this yeah. so usually they have like this sort of P, you know music over the pa system you know right. but this only but for an hour he just had like these sounds All those disturbing sounds yeah wow. and, so that really kind of gets an audience worked up you know it's uh, well they ignore it interesting. They ignore it first. They just think it's just you know they're not they're talking with friends and you know they're going and getting their beer. Yeah, but know. it's still in the background. It's, yeah. it's sort of agitating, you know. Yeah. And then he comes out and he's like, "This ain't rock and roll. It's genocide." <laughs> oh, but my so, memory is that he opened it with 1984. Oh, okay. Which is okay. like which is a song that's on the uh, on the um, um, Diamond Dogs. Yeah. And it's an unusual song because you know there's, it's always been said that Bowie has at least one song that shows what his next project is going to be. Mm. You know, so like, so 1984 really rings out the sound or the, the direction of the young Americans, mm -hmm. which mm -hmm. is after Diamond Dogs, am I correct? Yes. I think, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so Diamond, yeah, because then he went into the whole soul thing. Right, so 1984 okay. has that sort of the wah-wah-wah the guitar, and it sounds, right. it sounds like right. a, a very... Um, well, it's a combination of very well, it's, it's like that Isaac shaft. Uh, yeah, Isaac Hayes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he gets into that a bit. In the book. And my yeah. memory of it is that's how he started the show was making. I could be wrong, but that's my uh -huh. memory. It's like 1984. Uh-huh. Uh -huh. 
Okay. And um, but yeah, so they just they 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 just made the background uh, introduction tape more louder and louder as you know, yeah. as more close to uh, performance time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's interesting. I mean, he was so aware of how he was manipulating the audience even before he got on stage. I mean, it's yeah. kind of incredible. And that show was totally uh, like a like a like an off Broadway show. I mean, it was totally um, set piece. Now, where you saw that in L.A., what venue was it? What size the, venue was the it? The Universal Amphitheater. Oh, that's a pretty big. That's pretty out, big. When it was outside theater, this before they had a roof. Oh, no roof. but was it the same size? I mean, that's a fairly it's about six thousand seats. Yeah, that's a pretty yeah. big audience. Okay. Yeah. Because they talk about how he was still in the book. He talks about how he was still trying to gain the traction here in the U.S. Yes. I mean, well, really, was, it wasn't until Fame came out that he yeah. really sort of was a big star in the That's, US. Yeah, he, he didn't do the stadiums till after like Young yeah. Americans, and uh, I mean, yeah. Let's Dance was the real success. Right, but I mean, at least with Fame, I mean, I remember because I was still a little kid then. Uh-huh. Fame was the first. Well, I remember Space Oddity as a mm-hmm. very young child. I mean, I think I was maybe six or seven when that came out, but I do remember it. But then Fame came out when I was I don't know ten or eleven, and I remember that because I remember buying that forty five. Yeah. Um, so that was sort of the first thing that really, you know, that's when I knew who David Bowie was. So, yeah, you know, being like a high school, I was high school age when Bowie right. made it, and Bowie's appeal was always like a smaller audience. It was always the glam, glitter, gay kids, you know. Right, right. And, it was your special group of freaks. Yeah, it's, yeah, and 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 Handler speaks about freaks who. Uh, no pun intended with the Todd Browning freaks, but right. but but they're the ones who actually supported and went to all the Bowie shows, you know. And, yeah, um, yeah. And it was until uh, later that he actually, I guess, Young Americans, we sort of broke into a more bigger audience. Yeah. And um, and it, it is interesting that you, me, and I thing really yeah. appealed to the glam rock audience. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, and he really gets into. Um... Bowie's appropriation of the gay culture and the secret language Polari. I'm not Polari, sure. Polari, yes, yes. I know you recently read that book about it. Yeah, and he actually really quotes that book by Paul yeah. Baker. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. So it was interesting because I, I was funny because he was talking about um, how in uh, uh, Sweet Thing, how he says thing, and people keep thinking he means it should be then or something. And I always kind of, that's how I always took it as being like, oh, yeah, you know, thing. You know how people say that. I mean, yeah. now everybody says stuff like that, but um, that was actually how I had always understood that lyric. I didn't. That's what I, I thought it was supposed to be like a gay slang kind of thing. Yeah, I pick up on that. Well, because I was sort of in a group of people who. Yeah, uh, you grew up with a world. lot of yeah, gay people world. in your. Yeah. So yeah. it's, but yeah, but it's always probably like, yeah, in a rough, in a in an odd way, like Lou Reed definitely picked up that language, you know, in the yeah, New York yeah. sense. But yeah. Bowie being English also took up some of the English gay camp right. side of, the, of things. And right. Diamond I Audi, mean, I think we forget that that was still pretty, you know, edgy then, you know. Yeah. It wasn't even legal to be gay in England then, so. Uh, in the 60s, 67, I think they made it legal. In the 70s. Oh, in the six, it was legal in the 70s. But still, but still underground. It was still not, yeah, yeah. It yeah. still wasn't really, uh, yeah. And, and, and Diamond Dog is a very, like, lyrically a very camp. Yeah. Gay orientated album. Definitely. I mean, he always toyed with that. Obviously, that was one of the things he liked to. He likes to keep people guessing. Yes, he did. <laughs> <laughs>
So did you like the book? I thought it was a good book. I enjoyed it's a it. good book. It's a good yeah, book. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He really gets into stuff. It's it's definitely, you got to be a hardcore fan because it mm-hmm. really gets into the minutia. But uh, if you're a Bowie fan, you're going to love the book. For sure. Well, if you're a Bowie fan, even if you disagree with him, you know, you're still going to like it or appreciate it because oh, yeah. you're, you're, you're in discussion as a reader. You're, you're sort of yes. in a, discussing somebody or an album that you greatly admire. Yeah, and absolutely. he admires and loves this album. It's not like him putting the album down, or you know, he's not disappointed with it at all. Yeah, and um, and it's how he relates to something that you presume the reader will love as well. Yeah, and that that's and in that sense, it works very very well. Yeah, well, I would definitely recommend this book to anybody who's a Bowie fan. A brand new book too just came out. I know, I know, it's it is brand new, and we're, I hope we're catching up. Um, you can get books on, uh, we should, uh, what, is it bookshop.org? Is that what Oh, yeah, or, or bookshop.com. Oh, good question. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, we highly there. encourage people to try to buy books. I know it's hard right now during our, our uh, when bookstores are closed, but um, you can support your local bookstores, which we yeah. encourage. Yeah. I can't. I can't look at the paper. It's like bookshop.com or book. Yeah, I think I think it's bookshop.org. Yeah. And what uh, it is, what makes this unique is that it's a it's a website devoted to um, well, not only getting the books to you that you you want, but you could attach your favorite local bookstore. You can find your local bookstore on this website, and therefore, when you order it through that bookstore site. Uh, your favorite bookstore will get a percentage of uh, of, the, of that sale. It'd be like they sold it out of their store, for instance. Yes, and we need to keep our local bookstores alive and thriving. Very serious issue right now. Yes. Very serious issue. That's because true. what would we do? How would we continue our podcast if there were no more books? Uh, we that would be do... a disaster. Well, we, we would have to do movie music. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, sure. well, um, I'm wondering when they're going to be able to start making movies again. Ah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> this fucking plague. <laughs> if, we do, if we do movie music, I figure we could devote a whole like series that's on Elvis Presley movies. Oh, well, that would be fun. <laughs> <laughs> that would take up some time. <laughs> Maybe a little too much time. I'm glad we're booked. Yes. There you go. All right. All right. Well, thank you, everybody, for listening. Um, We are, so I think we have a plan for our next book. Uh, Things are a little haphazard with us because it is difficult to get books, but Mm -hmm. I believe we're going to do the Nick Cohn book, A Wop, Bob, A Lubop, A Wop, A Lop, Bam, Boom, The Golden Age of Rock. That's, That's tough one to say without actually singing it <laughs> and, this but, uh, and this nick cone book is like one of my favorites i love this book. yes i know I you've already it. read it it's yeah. uh, new to me but it's a classic it's he wrote it in what like 68 or something and uh yeah he wrote it he, we'll talk about the show i mean he's a really interesting yeah. character so i'm looking yeah. forward to doing the show yeah 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 should be good and mm-hmm. uh definitely check out our website book music com b-o-o-k-n-u-s-i-k.com we will have playlists for all our episodes and we're on instagram and facebook and uh definitely let us know what you think about the stabilized stabilized lyric line yes <laughs> or do you are you more interested in sable star i mean it's yes <laughs> you have three, a nice sexy photo of sable star <laughs> yeah you have, you, have, you have three choices here <laughs> all right yeah we'll have to take a poll that's what i'll do I'll take care everybody bye-bye all right bye-bye, bye-bye.